Already facing scrutiny amid a massive sexual misconduct scandal, the Canadian Forces will be reviewing how it trains and interacts with foreign military personnel after it was revealed our own officials met with a unit with ties to neo-Nazis. The review was sparked after concerns were raised by Jewish groups of the alleged involvement of Canadian troops in training a neo-Nazi-linked battalion in Ukraine, as well as warnings by soldiers last year that Canadians trained some Iraqis who were involved in torture and rape. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. David Paglazi, who covers the military for the Ottawa Citizen, joins me to discuss the review and why the military's response is another sign of a need for a culture change in the forces. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, or even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So David... One of the roles that the Canadian military has around the world is kind of going into countries where there's the possibility of hostilities erupting or even in peacetime and working with other armed forces, offering training, expertise, and that has in recent years included Ukraine. And I understand that the Canadian forces are now reviewing how we train other countries' forces and how we interact with them due to our involvement with one specific unit in Ukraine. What can you tell us about the Azov Battalion? So the Azov Battalion was an organization that emerged early on in the fighting in Ukraine. They were almost a separate militia, and then eventually they were brought into the Ukrainian military, the regular military. Now, the problem with the Azov Battalion is some of its leaders have openly acknowledged that they support Nazism. Uh, they've been branded neo-Nazis. They've been, you know, seen with uh, Nazi flags and uh, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And the U.S. Congress passed uh, regulations that uh, U.S. troops would not be allowed to uh, interact with the Azov Battalion members or provide supplies or training. Did Canadian officials going into Ukraine know about this unit, know that we'd be interacting with this battalion? And were there any concerns in the lead up to that raised with the soldiers who would be on the ground, you know, mm -hmm. to be careful of these neo-Nazis? So the issue has been out there since 2015 when our first troops went to Ukraine to train. There was, a, you know, acknowledgement that the Azov Battalion was in the country, operating in the country on the battlefield, but it was initially dismissed by the Canadian Forces leadership. In, in 2017, there was an intelligence briefing that I got that was done by our people in Ukraine, which essentially said the Azov Battalion is operating, it is uh, Nazi-affiliated, or large numbers of them have that belief. Uh, you know, they openly have uh, uh, Nazi-related memorabilia and flags, etc. Then in 2018, we had our diplomats and our uh, defense attaché meet with the Azov Battalion and their training cadre hmm. at a base in Ukraine. And they knew who they were meeting, so they got briefings from Azov. Azov photographers took pictures of the Canadians shaking hands, uh, you know, that type of thing, and they used it in their propaganda. And so they put out on social media that, you know, Canada was looking forward to working in the future with Azov Battalion. How did the Canadian forces respond to being used by a neo-Nazi battalion for propaganda purposes? 
Well, they didn't actually. So what happened was this started circulating on social media and uh, they started getting uh, some questions, but their response was to kind of ignore it. I mean, their response was they were worried that it would get out. It wasn't that they condemned the Azov Battalion or anything like that. It was just their main concern was this would get out and uh, it would uh, be embarrassing to the Canadian forces. So then we fast forward to this year in September, where George Washington University does a um, report, and they go through social media of various uh, Ukrainian soldiers. And uh, one group who is affiliated with Azov is called Centurion. And so they collected all these social media postings from those involved in Centurion and uh, taking part in neo-Nazi activities, giving Nazi salutes, you know, discriminatory comments about the LGBT uh, community, uh, taking part in protests, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So that came out and Canadian forces did nothing. Then two weeks later, Simon Wiesenthal Center and a number of other Jewish groups sent letters to the prime minister and said, what are you doing training these people? Because the people on uh, social media that George Washington University had uncovered were bragging that they had been trained by Canadians. And this isn't the only occasion where this has happened, right? Like, it's not just in Ukraine. There are other far-right movements in other countries in Europe where we've had soldiers on the ground, correct? That's right. I mean, in Eastern Europe, they view, or some of the individuals in Eastern Europe and governments view their participation in support of Nazi Germany as something to be proud of, and they promote it. So there are parades for the SS in Latvia and Ukraine. You know, in 2019, the Latvian defense minister issued a statement saying that the Latvian SS were the pride of uh, Latvia. Just to go back, I mean, (laughs) we fought the Nazis. Canada fought the Nazis during the Second World War. And along with the Russians and the United States and Britain and other Commonwealth countries, we defeated them. And so when this was put out there, then Defense Minister Harjit Sajjan refused to condemn it. Not one Canadian general said, hey, wait a minute. This is out of line. And just to give you more context, the Latvian SS were among the last holdouts, you know, uh, Heinrich Himmler's uh, headquarters in Berlin to fight to the bitter end. So we're not talking uh, schoolboys here. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Does Canada, when it goes into these other countries, whether it's to offer training to ally nations like Latvia, like Ukraine, or even when it goes into places like Iraq, Do we vet the people who our soldiers are going to be working with? No, there's no vetting at all. So we have the countries, the host countries, supposedly vet the individuals. And uh, in many of these cases, they aren't vetted. And that is the problem. Now, the Canadian Forces says that, uh, you know, they don't have the resources to vet these individuals. One argument for cracking down on this is we're the ones providing the training. We're providing tens of millions of dollars of training and equipment. So some critics are saying we should be calling the shots. No, we don't want to train someone who, you know, is giving a Nazi salute. Mm -hmm. In Iraq, some of the trainees were coming up to Canadian Forces soldiers and showing them videos of them raping women. You know, the soldiers complained about that and were told uh, by their officers, you know, don't worry about it. Just don't look at the videos. So 
Canada does have certain things it can do. You know, it's in the driver's seat. But there is a real reluctance in the Canadian Forces leadership to do any of this because they don't want to insult the host country. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even, you know, some of your reporting revealed that in relation to the Azov Battalion, the military was more worried about news stories coming out than it was about the battalion itself. What can you tell me about how that came to light? Well, so on those warnings and the concern, I, I got that through an access to information request. Uh, so I had seen the initial as of social media and, uh, you know, I was talking to people inside the defense headquarters and they were worried that it would come to light. And I did mention it briefly in a larger story, but I wanted to see what was going on. What was the thinking of the Canadian Forces leadership at the time? So I put it in an access to information request. They withheld it for more than a year and a half. Hmm. Uh, then when it did come out, there was this concern that a journalist might find out about this meeting with the Azov. And again, what struck me was there was no emails or, or even media talking points that, you know what, these guys are bad news. We shouldn't be even near them. There was none of that. It was all like, oh, well, what happens if journalists find out and that type of thing. Does the government have any policy or the military, Canadian forces have any policy with regard to groups like this? Like, we're not going to train them. We condemn them. Is there anything written down that showed up in your ATIP request? So they have never condemned the Azov Battalion. They have a general line that they do not support or condone the glorification of Nazi Germany. But there is no direct condemnation of any of these specific groups. The main concern is, you know, if a journalist or the public finds out about it. We'll be right back. So out of all of this, the military has said it's going to conduct a review. Now, is that review going to look at our interaction with the Azov Battalion, our interaction with Latvian SS, or is it just looking at going forward what we can do better? So the review is going to look at the general policies of training and whether they're robust enough. Now, Again, we come back to what the Canadian Forces says. It doesn't have the resources to look into the background of each and every one of these individuals. They're going to also take a look at the George Washington University report, which has specific examples of individuals. And there's actual photos of some of these individuals with Canadian Forces members. So they're going to also take a look at that. But I'm not expecting a lot. I mean, this issue has been out there for six years now. They've known about it. And some people would suggest that this process is more kind of pushing off, uh, hoping that it goes away and doesn't materialize again. Are there any other countries where we have boots on the ground where this is a concern? So the Iraq issue uh, came up last year and soldiers had complained to their officers and to complain to headquarters that they raised these concerns about the Iraq uh, training and nothing was ever done. That was happening still last year. In Ukraine and Latvia, you know, there's still ongoing training there. So do we even know who we're training? That's the the other question. So we do have uh, those missions ongoing, but there, of course, we're going to be future missions. And that's what, you know, maybe a, an improved policy might deal with. Does this give another black eye to the military? Because there have already been concerns about racism in the Canadian forces, about the possibility of far-right extremists 
joining the Canadian forces so they can get military training and create their own right-wing hate groups. What is the situation with the military when it comes to dealing with some of these forces internally? So officially they say, you know, they don't condone any of this, but then you keep getting these individuals emerging in, in, in the ranks. Patrick Matthews is uh, is the most famous example mm-hmm. on trial, or he's been sentenced, I believe, to nine years uh, in the U.S., wanted to start a race war. He was a Canadian Forces reservist. You know, you had an individual, a sailor in Calgary, uh, allegedly selling grenades and uh, other weapons online and spouting neo-Nazi or far-right views. That individual was kicked out of the Navy and then brought back in. And then when there was, uh, you know, more news coverage of that, he was kicked out again. So there are concerns that the attitude is too lax. And this obviously comes at a time when the Canadian forces are dealing with a whole other scandal relating to sexual misconduct. You know, even just looking at your byline page on the Ottawa Citizen website, there's countless stories. Canada's top soldier told someone about sex misconduct allegations months before the police. Mm-hmm. Military police refused to accept complaint against Canada's top soldier, one of the alleged victims says. Military officers in training who threatened to rape and sodomize girls faced no No discipline. No discipline, yes. (laughs) What is the latest with what's going on with the forces? I know that the new defense minister, Anita Anand, has promised to make changes that her predecessor didn't. What do we see happening right now as far as all that goes? Well, I mean, she's talking about transferring a responsibility for sexual assault to civilian police. So in 1998, sexual assault in the military was handled by civilian police, but the the military got hold of that and they took control of those investigations. And that has created a lot of accusations over the many years that sexual predators have been ignored you know, I did one court martial. You know, the individual was charged uh, ultimately with drunkenness. You know, the sexual assault disappears, and then the, the individual is charged with drunkenness and given a $1,000 fine. <laughs> and this is ongoing problems. You see these types of stories all the time. Well, what happened this year is the whole thing exploded. So you had the accusations against General Vance, the accusations against Admiral McDonald, and a number of senior officers. And female victims and alleged victims, they're just coming forward. And sometimes they're not even bothering with military police. They're just going online and and saying, this happened, or they're going to journalists. Mm -hmm. And it, it has turned into a crisis now, the military, you know, the military leadership blames the news media for fueling this. But essentially, this is, you know, the chickens coming home to rooster, if that, whatever the whatever the phrase is. They've allowed this system to continue since 1998 and uh, with many, many problems. And now people are just in 2021. They're just saying, I've had it. I mean, as someone who's covered the military for as long as you have, do you get the sense that this is finally kind of the culture shift? The scrutiny is going to push the Canadian forces in the right direction here, or is this going to be a protracted war to change the culture in the military? I think as they have done in the past. So in 1998, they went through a similar 
similar process. In 2014, they went through a similar crisis as well. And each time they said all the right things. You can even go back to 1998 and see some of the things they would say, like uh, sexual assault in the military is not condoned. Right. It's the same talking point in 2021. Mm -hmm. So big institutions don't like to change and they fight change. And that is what's happened over the years. And, uh, you know, this is a self-inflicted wound in many cases. And I don't know if there's going to be change. It may disappear from the news cycle. But, you know, eight years from now, are we going to have another kind of crisis? I would almost think so. The review into how we train foreign military personnel, is that expected to be done like in short order, will we see it in the next couple of months or will it kind of take maybe a year or more? No, they said it's going to come out in early uh, next year, but we may not see um, a lot of it because parts of it will be secret um, because of their training posture and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So is there going to be change? If you cannot have a Canadian general or a Canadian defense minister denounce or even condemn another NATO country from praising Nazis, I think you got a problem. Well, it's important work you do, David. I appreciate your time. Thank you. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, David Paglazy. More from him at ottawacitizen.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.